Hey everyone, Eric Watson here, and this is the recorded audio of a DM-only live stream in which I prepare for our next live session and chat with fans each week at my Rogue Watson YouTube channel. Please note that these streams are full of DM spoilers. This was not originally intended for an audio-only format, but has been converted to a podcast for your convenience. The channel and by extension this podcast are supported by Patreon. If you'd like to support my work, you can do so at patreon.com slash roguewatson. Enjoy the show. videos and role-playing aficionado welcome to my weekly behind the scenes dm only live stream crafting icewind dale in which i build right and prepare for our next session of rhyme of the frost maiden if you're playing characters of all robin frey celeste edmund or thimbleweed this is not the right stream i will see you all tomorrow night but for the rest of you welcome warning there will be lots of spoilers for this stream we stream our D&D sessions live on YouTube every Friday evening. Watch all of our D&D live series as well as reviews and Let's Plays on my YouTube channel and read weekly session recaps at RogueWatson.com. You can follow me on Twitter at RogueWatson and join our official Discord server with invite link in the description below. And if you'd like to support the channel, please check out Patreon.com slash RogueWatson. For our campaign, we use Roll20.net for streaming. I use open broadcaster software with Streamlabs. Is it evening, Jeremy? It is still morning here. Hello, Nathan. Good morning or afternoon to you. Lazy DM. Feels great. What's buzzing, Stan? Thank you for uh, immediately jump-starting with the puns. Uh, so the players threw a few curveballs at me. Uh, I had spent a long time prepping this custom area, expanding the Mead Hall of Good Mead uh, into essentially a dungeon crawl that was very much inspired by like a Fallout-style side quest where there's like a building that's, you know, something has gone terribly wrong and we have to investigate it. And um, they threw two curveballs at me. One of them, and it's just, it was, you know, I should have prepped more, I guess, is it's on me. And, and you know, in a lot of cases, that is what DMing is, right? You can prep and prep and prep, and they're just going to throw curveballs at you. I did feel bad, though, that I did kind of, you know, cut seeing them into this building and expected them to immediately want to jump into this area. And instead, they actually wanted to pull back and explore Goodmead, and I did not expand upon the town at all. And, and that is... Partially based on what I'm working with in the adventure, there's fuck all information on Good Meat itself. Literally, the only thing here is there's like an empty temple, and then there's the meat hall itself, and both things have like just two very short paragraphs. So there wasn't anything to go on. But I should have expanded a little bit, especially once I gave them some more information uh, based on uh, I think I teased one of the characters that's involved behind this stuff, uh, which is not actually the main instigator. I'm I think I gave them the name of Harold as a one of the janitors. Um, that is actually going to end up being the ogre that is in the Verbeeg's lair, not the Verbeeg himself. The head Verbeeg that's actually behind all this is Dugan, uh, which of course has been shortened to Dug because as he has grown proportionately, his mental capacities have diminished. And uh, his buddy, Harold, is the one that he kind of experimented on first before the formula was uh, perfected. And that turned him into an ogre, which is an even more 
uh, dumb brute, so he was thinking that was not the ideal situation to be in. The other curveball my, play, my ugh, sorry, the other curveball my players threw at me was that they split the party and only Thimbleweed got to actually experience um, the dangerous part of the dungeon, which I. I, and I talked about some of this in Frostside chat, but I anticipated him talking to the bees. That was totally something I had written into my notes because, of course, he's going to do that. That's what his character does. He likes speaking to animals. He does that with every goddamn animal I threw at them. So I expected that. What I did not expect necessarily was that they would literally just push him into that zone. He would win the initiative battle and cast a whole bunch of spells and roll a whole bunch of checks and basically do everything right to avoid a fight. So I actually basically shut the fight down because he was the only one involved and that split the party because they then dragged him to the queen and the other players were just content at sitting back and seeing what happened well that's a good strategy on their part but it's not fun for a game to do and i didn't have anything planned for the other team to do so it was just kind of the thimbleweed show for the last little bit of the uh session so i felt bad about that and now that i have a week to plan we got to come up with something for uh, the rest of the team to basically do while Thimbleweed is in the middle of this situation and is essentially going to be learning about what all happened because he has been following trajectory that I had planned out, which was uh, either fight or talk to the giant bees and then uh, make it to this warehouse area and then talk to the survivor of the, uh, the crew that had the speaker, some random person and her uh, who are basically trying to, shut all this down and stop it and try to catch whatever was behind it. And the story I had laid out is that uh, let's see, back to my we're not in the warehouse. So uh, they actually did catch uh, Dugan, who was the employee janitor slash like budding alchemist. Um, you know, the backstory, which I think I've mentioned this last week, is that uh, he and his buddy Harold stumbled upon the, uh, they found the emergency escape exit in the brewery, which is a tunnel that leads, like, not even quite a quarter mile outside of town. You know, maybe it's an old, like, bootleggers escape tunnel, or whatever the reasons are. Nobody knows. Um, and it leads outside of town, and near that town was a cave. And they found this cave, and um, the way I wrote it is they found, it was an ancient cave of ancient peoples, they found some formula for, like, a growth potion and uh and they got all excited about it and the catalyst you needed was like you know honeymead basically that was like the the key ingredient for this formula so he started stealing honeymead in order to make this formula and uh embiggen himself and uh i like i kind of like the idea of teasing the fact that he tested other things first like i'm replacing the cave bear and the verbiage layer with a pair of dire wolves and the idea there is that he tested it on uh, either his dogs or somebody's dogs or somebody, and they grew to, like, dire wolf size and power. Um, and then he basically just went over for a couple days, and eventually he tested it on his buddy Harold, and Harold ended up turning into an ogre. And the thing I'm trying to do is that these are permanent transformations, which is a tricky thing to do because obviously I do not want my players doing that to themselves. Um... And yet, I think it'd be fun to give them an item that could enlarge them, similar to what the Dwergar do, which is literally having an item that allows you to embiggen yourself. Uh, so I'm still working out the kinks of how to do that, maybe as part of his um, crafting that the villain has done, which is Dugan. He was able to uh, 
maybe like make a wand or a belt or something that can do it temporarily that's that's safer than doing the permanent change um and then maybe he can or or use potions just just have it be potions of growth and have it be a finite thing that he was planning on selling but maybe maybe if you just imbibe enough of them over time it becomes permanent or yes and that's the thing it will uh increase size but decrease intelligence so that was the problem is um he discovered that you know it turned his friend into an ogre I'm also thinking of even doing it like non-consensually like maybe he slipped it into his buddy's drink or something as a way to like test the formula um to make him a little more morally ambiguous uh and he and his buddy like turned into an ogre or something uh and then he would have tried and he would have seen those results and then wanted to um perfect them and at the same time a woman named um uh, what was her name? Gage, I think I had, because there's a there's a female Verbig that shows up at the end of the Verbig's layer. <laughs> I've really just gone crazy with the story. Um, she uh, followed them one day. Um, she worked with the bees and discovered the cave. And instead of, um, you know, initially, uh, well, maybe it was a little bit of a blackmail situation where she's like, hey, let me in on this. Uh, you know, I, I think you've got some potential here. We can sell this. We can make some money. Um, you know, let me in on your scheme so I don't turn you guys in. And I think that maybe they end up working together, the three of them, in this whole plan. And then one thing that she brings up is, in order to perfect this formula, maybe we need to, like, inject some of it into the bees. And then when they create the uh, the honey that then goes into the honey mead, that will be a way to, like, dilute the process. And then that would result in, you know, becoming big and strong and powerful, but not necessarily just literally ogre uh, diminished intelligence. And, of course, that has a big... Uh, uh, flaw in that that ends up transforming the bees into giant bees with uh, some more intelligence that kind of mutates the bees so this whole big convoluted story I've got set up to explain this and um, obviously the NPC that Thimbleweed's about to meet doesn't is not going to know all that all she's going to know is that they showed up and the way I've got it written which may be a problem is that they showed up and actually caught Dugan in the brewery and he drank the potion, which became when then he became like Hulk sized and big and basically beat them up and ends up getting tackled into one of the vats. And that vat explodes. And then she's going to tease the fact that the mead seemed to even come alive and attack the survivors while Dugan was able to escape uh, down the hatch. Now, I like all that, but the problem is I don't know if I want to say, like, okay, he literally just decided to drink the potion right then. Um,. You know, and that, that would have been a big risk, but then maybe it needs to be where he's already a Verbeek at that point. Like, he's already made it to that point. Um, but then what's he still... Maybe he's still stealing, you know, mead or whatever. So I need to figure out... I need to nail that part of the story down. Uh, but the the result needs to be that there was an altercation. The uh, formula ended up getting introduced back into the mead, and that's what ends up creating uh, basically sentient ooze-like mead, which I'm going to use as uh, ochre jellies. And the idea here is when the players make it into this area, uh, one of them will be destroyed. There'll be skeletons everywhere. There'll basically be scenes of, of the event that the NPC is going to describe. And then uh, there will be mini ochre jellies, not many, uh, medium-sized ones, because she's going to mention the fact that she already like tried to attack one of them, and they split up, and then she was like fled into this warehouse room. So she's a survivor of this fight. 
And what the what nobody knows is that this stuff um, spread into the other casks. And so when the players make it into a certain distance, um, we're gonna have a cool event where they start exploding, like during the fight. And that's gonna cause like you know deck saves and or take acid damage or something. And that's gonna spawn full grown ochre jellies and maybe even spread out over multiple rounds or something. I'm thinking maybe this many um, maximum probably would be enough for an interesting fight. Uh, just to make that kind of an interesting thing. And because the idea is they, they have to make it into this brewery because that's where, A, they'll get the confirmation that speaker is his daddy, the bleached skeleton. And B, there is a escape hatch under this area they can find where that will lead them to the cave. And that is where Verbeeg's lair is. Queen Bee has altered the honey that makes the potion temp versus... Temp versus permanent. That could be interesting. Um... Yeah, so it could be maybe something they did with the uh, the honey there. What I, I mean, I could make it permanent. The only thing I don't want to do is I don't want my players to get their hands on that. And I, but on the flip side, I think it'd be fun to give them an item that does this because it's such a theme that I'm running away with, which is um, this potion that can enlarge you. I mean, I could just give them potions of growth, but then it's like, well, potion of growth isn't necessarily what happened here. Um, what happened here is that they got like permanently transformed into monstrous creatures, you know, in the case of an ogre or direwolf or uh, verbeegs. So maybe it's that he took that, he still took that potion, but then maybe they finally did perfect it. Um, and that's why he was still, you know, here working on stuff and introducing stuff in order to actually bottle straight up potions of growth, which uh, I, I think do what I wouldn't mind giving the players, which is uh, the enlarge. Uh, the enlarged spell effect, right? The enlarged effect of the enlarged reduced spell for 1d4 hours with no concentration required. So that would be pretty interesting if I can give the players, you know, a number of those at the end of this battle um, as a way of saying, like, hey, he actually did perfect uh, his formula. And that's how... But, uh, of course, the to get there, you had to have all these things happen, like, right? You had to, like, mutate the bees and end up with all this other stuff. So I like that that could be a... Uh, that That's still a good excuse. Uh, lazy DM, I'll take that. Do you think a Fomorian is too fuff, is too tough for the party? Ogre seems a bit easy. Yeah, they also, uh, they also fought an ogre. So I'm, I'm, I'm kind of running with what, we can look at Verbeeg Lair. What was already in the adventure, but obviously since I'm changing things already. So two things I've already changed. Um, I'm replacing the cave bear with a pair of direwolves as a way of scaling it up, but also, again... The enlarged status, so, you know, he's got these just regular dogs were enlarged. I think it'd be funny, too, if he had a bunch of, like, animals that he's been kidnapping and experimenting on originally and had a couple of them. They're, like, giant wolves. or Sorry, uh, giant goats. And, yes, I'm going to have to write fucking dialogue for them because uh, we will surely try to talk to them. Um, I could look at something other than an ogre. We did find an ogre zombie before. Um, and the thing is, if you end up with a fight here, I mean, these guys do add up quite a bit, and I could obviously introduce the dire wolves, and then there's the other Verbeeg that shows up, which is uh, uh, Gage, who is now, I think, called Gog. So I want to play with the fact that they're, they have gotten the decreased intelligence, um, and maybe it's a thing like, uh, what is it, Flowers for Algernon, where it's like, um, at least in his case, he is he's losing his intellect, but he knows he is, so he's like frantically trying to like, finish things while his intellect is getting diminished. What is it, Verbeek, actually? Well, hell, a, <laughs> a Verbeek's intelligence 11, so it just goes back to average intellect, really. So that's not even a, a, a big deal. It's the ogre, I think, that's um, the real dumb brute here. 
yeah, intelligence five. Ogres are real stupid. Um, so that's a good excuse. Like he would still be able to do his things, but maybe he would lose a lot of his. You know, he was maybe a little more smarter than that. So we, he lost some of it along the way. But I like the fact that he can perfect um, the potion of growth with the idea that they would turn that into a uh, a full business opportunity. But then, of course, you know who's going to actually work with this fucking giant burbine guy? So maybe he hasn't quite thought that ahead. Altered bees cause altered honey. Yes. Uh, good to use the brewery environment within the combat. Thank you. I think it'll be fun. Um, but my so my main problem here is what I'm having to deal with. What the players' actions have kind of brought me into, which is Thimbleweed is in the middle of this dungeon. He has talked his way past all the bees. Um, he's going to get this information from her, which is specifically the event that happened in the brewery. Um, which is uh, maybe they didn't see. I don't. Hmm. So what if he, okay, maybe he didn't drink the potion. He's already had that happen to himself. I need to know if he's a verbing yet or not. It makes more fun in the context of the storytelling if they mention the fact that he downed a potion and became a verbing. And then maybe it's been days later now. Well, that'd be okay because this, this did happen days ago. So he's, he's been a verbing for a couple days. But then why would she be a verbing too unless he was able to... um well, confirmed that it worked on him and thus gave it to her, Gage, and turned her into a Verbeeg. Um, and then that's why he was here. He was basically just trying to get this. So I could still do it that way because this, this happened a couple days ago. Something to do with the fact that um, whatever happened to him then, or maybe it's some combination of him getting his mixture in with the, this i don't know and my, i may be overthinking this too much like i don't know if i actually need to have all these details in place <laughs> um what i need to do is figure out something for the other players to do or have thimbleweed just exit tell the players you know and, and escort her outside and just reunite the party and they could figure out what they want to do from there what i'm leaning towards doing is uh, two things. One, uh, Thimbleweed's job was to come in here and kill the threat to the bees, which the bees were definitely saying her, and I obviously had the fact there was a giant bee here that had explored here earlier and was killed, and the bees kind of knew that something bad is in here that, you know, hold itself up. Um, I don't think he closed the door behind him. Um, I don't think I... Um, if I could leave that open a little bit, because I don't think I... Uh, he shoved it open and went in, but I can kind of have a, a fun... Uh, event transpire after, of course, she gives her big info dump to Thimbleweed, have a bunch of giant bees come in and, you know, do the thing where it's like, thank, you know, not, not thank you, but, you know, let's kill the invader and they'll all attack her. And that puts Thimbleweed in an interesting proposition because he's going to still try to talk him down, but I'm probably not going to let that happen because she's already killed a bee and that their whole goal was for, uh, you know, him to let them in. Or if, you know, if he hasn't killed her yet, then they're going to go and take her out. Um, so I'm kind of forcing an event here and a little bit of a combat encounter because she's also not going to be talked down. Like they'll, they'll be fighting each other and he's going to have to pick a side um, right then and there. The other thing, so that'll be a thing for Thimbleweed to deal with. Um, the other thing we could do is, because the rest of the party is just sitting here with their thumbs up their asses trying to figure out uh, what they're going to do other than hear back from Thimbleweed, is... I could have either Olavesa or Shandar tell them 
about the rear entrance. And this is something I realized that I hadn't thought all the way through. So my plan was, I've got here in room 13, is like an, a loading unloading dock um, kind of thing where it's you know a back entrance for the brewery. Uh, obviously, every place shouldn't have just one entrance. <laughs> uh, I imagine even in fantasy medieval world, whatever they, they're they're concerned to have just one entrance for you know danger fire purposes and all that. Um, and it's you know a place where they can load and unload the barrels and the cask and everything. Because the front entrance, their formal entrance, right? They get the gift shop, they got all the the foyer and all that. Um, so that's what this area is. And I thought it'd be fun. Initially, my idea was, okay, there's a bunch of bandits higher, that are in league with Shandar to try to break into this place. You know, they don't know what's going on, and, they, and they're trying to, like, maybe steal some mead or, uh, you know, basically take advantage of the situation that the whole place has been shut down and everybody's out of mead right now. So if you need your hands on some, you would probably make some good money. However, I realized, like, well, wait, why the fuck would Olavesa not ever have gone back in here or considered the rear entrance. She's the manager of the building. She would know all this information. Um, she knows that, you know, she went in because the bees were mutated. And that's why she didn't, you know, she shut that part off and, and sealed up the the, uh, the building. But, you know, in theory, there's no bees back here. So you would be able to get in the rear entrance. So why didn't she? So then I realized I have to write some excuse for that about why, uh, why, because it's been days, right? This is supposed to have happened days ago, and they've, this place has been under quarantine for several days. So why would nobody have gone through this back end? She wouldn't have just forgotten about it. So I'm still trying to figure that out. Uh, I really want to know how the intellectual bees and town work relationship will end up. I know, that's, that's something I just threw at the players with. I do not have a uh, story, a specific story outcome in mind which is kind of liberating it's not like i need the players to do a thing and end up in this situation it's whatever the players want to do if they want to if they want to keep the bees here and just say well that's it, it reminds me of you know again like those i keep thinking of fallout i'm sure other games did this where it's like the choices you made are played out in like an epilogue to the adventure where it's like hey because you chose this this is what happened at the end of the adventure um you know it's not something that's going to probably uh, resolve itself during the course of the campaign, but it's just a choice they can make that leaves good meat in different situations. Uh, and obviously, it, it is, it's kind of a, a faction problem where the bees and the people are not going to want to work together. Um, and uh, if they don't deal with the bees, then that's going to leave this town basically bereft of good of their meat and possibly lead to a situation where the bees do break out. They do kill a lot of people. Yeah, they're probably not going to be able to survive in Icewind Dale very well, but you know they'll break into people's homes and just, you know, just spread like insects, essentially. Um, or the players can deal with the bees, either brute force them, or I was going to introduce, and through, again, through this NPC that's going to mention this to Thimbleweed, is that when they first came in here and they saw the bees starting to grow and mutate, um, the speaker is going to mention, well, we may have to use, like, the cleansing, forgot what I uh, phrased it as, but... Uh, the cleansing sequence or or something the purge or something they're gonna like allude to the fact that there's something they can do that would kill all the bees and uh and the npc that thimbleweed meets doesn't uh it doesn't necessarily know what that is or where that is but just that that is a possibility um if the players manage to go back and ask olavesa then she can confirm that or they can find it in room 10 which is the manager's office which is essentially an emergency um like red button kind of a thing. I don't know how to, <laughs> the problem is I'm designing this 
dungeon so much that I'm trying to work around the fact that it's a fantasy and not a sci-fi. But there's something that they can do, like I, mean, I guess pull a lever, that will release a chemical agent uh, into these uh, areas, the greenhouse and the outdoor area, that would um, essentially pesticide. Like it wouldn't just kill the bees. And that's, you know, for... They've got that in there as emergency use for some reason, like if the bees end up spreading too far or something happened, you know, and, and again, they're usually pretty docile, but they just introduce this, you know, kind of emergency, or maybe this, you know, an awful, like, you know, fungicide got loose or something that was just terrifying everything, terrorizing everything. So there, that, that's another solution that basically they can do is like, instead of brute forcing the bees, you could just pull this lever and thus basically kill all the bees. Uh, now, of course, I would have a dramatic moment where like, you know, that starts happening and the bees immediately start crashing into the windows and trying to attack the players and maybe they have to survive a couple waves or something to make it at least a climax thing so it's not like literally hey you pulled a lever and all they're all dead um so that would be an interesting twist but that would be a solution now it would be very interesting because the movie obviously is kind of partnering with the bees and doesn't necessarily want to kill them all so that's you know that's an extreme method so again just something i'm i'm introducing to the players as an option that i don't necessarily uh, not, not that I don't care. That's not the way of phrasing it. But it doesn't. Um, I don't. I don't necessarily want to push them in one direction or another. It really is going to be up to them. Um, although obviously, all the people NPCs they meet would be very anti bee, and all the bees they meet will be very anti people. So depending on who they talk to, uh, that's who they're going to be, you know, aligning themselves with. So uh, that'll be something they can deal with. But for this, uh, the big issue I have right now is this uh, this loading and unloading dock area. I need to figure out why Olavesa would have quarantined this off as well um, and not even tried to have people come in here and uh, and scope it out, especially because it's been days, the speaker's been missing. Like, I know she sent off for outside forces or whatever, but, you know, you'd think that you would have at least tried, especially because, it, according to... She doesn't know anything that happened in the brewery. Um, nobody except the NPCs that were involved in the brewery itself, which haven't gotten out yet, would know about it. So... According to her, the only problem would be the mutated bees. That's all that she thinks is the problem. And if the bees are all in the front, then why wouldn't she have gone in the back? I don't know. <laughs> um, one solution I thought of is to say maybe the bees did expand back there. And maybe it's more of a situation where this whole place is covered in a dome and, you know, a, a, a protective shell for the, you know, like, in other words, the buildings are placed kind of in the outdoor area. In other words, so the bees could fly over these buildings and make it into this outside zone, but still not able to make it, like, into the town itself. In which case, I could just throw some bees here, which case I would have to rewrite this whole section. Um, and that there's not people that have break, broken in, break, broken, broken into this rear area yet. Um, because I was thinking of having... Again, either Olavesa and the guards, so, and she says, hey, maybe try that rear entrance. I've had it sealed off for protection. And I could just say, like, you know, maybe she just sealed it off just for safety funsies. Like, and just, she was just like, I'm not fucking around. It's, it's bad PR if I open it up and there's dead bodies in there or something. I just need you to go in and do it discreetly, whatever. Or I could have Shandar come in and say, hey, um, you know, what have you learned? Which they should have learned some stuff from Olavesa already. And he's like, all right, um, there's a rear entrance. Um, we can break into there, you know, in other words, delete these bandits off of here and say, uh, you know, why don't you guys go in, break into this area in the loading dock and then steal some shit for me. And even if they don't agree to it, this is still a place they can go to, uh, 
to break in and, and get in there. So in other words, I could get them into here. Um, the interesting thing is that Thimbleweed's got the key, so they would still have locked doors to deal with. But because Thimbleweed's got the key, that would then allow the party to reunite. So notice how I'm trying to do this. I'm trying to bring the fucking party together so they can be together for this brewery fight. Um, and try to go back and forth where it's like by the time, you know, the bees break in and, and force Thimbleweed into a, a fight here. Uh, and, and maybe it ends up with her being killed by the bees, in which case Thimbleweed just kind of sits there and is like, oh, shit. That can happen, too. I'm not against that happening. Um, and then have the other party here. I just need to make that make sense narratively. But she come in and tell the pieces about the back door now to give them something to do. Uh, yeah, that's the, that's, the, that's the point I'm looking at. That's, I'm just trying to figure out what's the reason why she didn't tell them that in the first place. You know, why, why would she have not never gone into this back door just to try it out? Or, uh, and why would she only just mention it now? Like, oh, by the way, there's another entrance to this building that that's, doesn't lead to the beehive. Well, why the fuck wouldn't you have gone there first, you know, if the bees were the problem? So, um, my th the, to me, the easiest way to fix that is that the bees were back here. So I can make some bees back here. And instead of having it be bandits they're fighting that are by Shandar, um, it's a bunch of... Uh, in other words, again, what I'm picturing is like these are buildings inside of this protective uh, temperature-controlled place, in which case the bees, are, they're not able to get inside the buildings, but they can still make it to this other outdoor area. Um, maybe they've ripped in there, because I don't want them to have made it inside the buildings, because that um, narratively doesn't work for me, because it's like she was pulled up in here and had blocked everything off, like, so they... They weren't able to make it into these buildings. So I could do that. In other words, I could get rid of these bandits and just throw some bees in here and make it so um, either Olavesa lets them in the back area or both. I could have Olavesa mention the fact there's a back door you can try in there. And then as they're making their way back there, which will be, you know, not on the map, but I'll just move them over there. Shandar will approach and say, and, and then give them the spiel about, hey, you know, what did you learn and all that. Basically, just kind of follow up with that. Um, with all that information. She's management, not wanting to risk her own life. That's that's something they tell you in management, by the way. That's like, when I became a, uh, a retail manager for the first time, a lifetime ago, um, my boss, when I did my first night, uh, evening shift, I was closing the store, one of the first things he says, which, you know, I was fucking like 23 or 4 or something, like a real young kid, um, he was like, hey, uh, don't... <laughs> it was like, don't be a hero... If uh, if somebody comes in and wants like the money or something like his like his first like thing he was gonna tell me when I'm closing up is like you know what to do if you get robbed and I did not work it wasn't like a gas station this was a retail like just uh, it was a, it was a pet chain um, and it was like you know it's not your money like don't fucking risk your life for that that's what reminds me of that is <laughs> somebody saying like yeah don't don't be a fucking hero uh, you know you just this is the place you work for and it's it's funny hearing that from the boss because usually you know you hear that you're your management is all like, oh, the company, the company. And this guy was like, no, fuck that. <laughs> it's not worth it. Um, so, yeah, it could be that she just didn't want to risk it. And as soon as she saw the bees were free, she just sealed everything up. In which case, I don't have to put bees here. And instead, um, maybe she just says the party can go back there. The other party, the ones that aren't part of uh, Thimbleweed. I don't want to do it rusted shut because um, <laughs> that seems weirdly irresponsible for this company. I've been making it so these guys are pretty top of the line of pretty quality stuff. And this is supposed to be an active loading unloading zone. So they do use this area. 
um, for, you know, shipping out the stuff. Basically, this is the employee entrance, essentially. The other entrance is the main entrance. It's got the gift shop. It's got the foyer. It's got everything there. It's got a little area you can sit and sample the beers. It's the tour entrance. It's all that. This back area is specifically employees, which I literally made room 12 here, like an employee-only, um, like, back room, you know, the one that you would, you know, have lockers in with your personal gear and the... The, the schedules in there, you know, the punch in, punch out clock and all that. <laughs> all that information is there in room 12. Um, so, I, yeah, I could either, either I could put bees in there and be like, oh, I don't want to, you know, go in there because the bees could have gotten in there. Or or I could not put bees in there. And she just says, I don't know what the state of the building is. I, w I was afraid to open this, you know, rear door. Um, I've just kept the whole thing sealed up because it's uh, insurance nightmare and liability issue, and we don't want to send any other people in there to die. We need like trained professionals, so that could be the whole thing. Um, and then Shandar is going to meet with the players um, at some point on route and try to get information from them. He's already paid them um, a solid amount of money, and uh, hopefully get them to steal some mead for them. In which case. Um, do I still want to do the bandits here or not? Because what I was going to do is have them, you know, have the players meet them from the inside and not from the outside. Uh, and Chandler wouldn't be willing to, like, um, maybe, maybe I could have, like, a bandit or two with them as, like, hey, you know, come help my crew, you know, steal some shit, um, and they can lockpick their way into these areas. The only thing that would be really dicey is if the players make it into the brewery and Thimbleweed hasn't made it in there yet. It's going to be a really tricky timing thing for me because all of this is going to happen live and it really depends on, you know, what the players do and how engaging everything is, uh, you know, and unleashing the bee fight on Thimbleweed, for example. He, I did decide to put a door here. I will say that. Um, so I kind of solved my own problem of, like, why would she run outside to you know, this area which has growing mutant. Now, at the time that she made it in, the bees were not fully in this state, but still, it could have been that there's a door right here. Basically, there's a way for Thimbleweed to jump into this brewery if he needs to. Um, but she sealed it up because she knows that the brewery exploded into ochre jellies. <laughs> um, uh, by the way, balance-wise, I'm all shooting from the hip when it comes to this. How? How? What do you guys think about um, the number of ochre jellies versus the party here. Uh, ochre jellies are, and I'm going with ochre jellies because I figure they actually kind of look like, uh, you know, mead, <laughs> uh, beer that's, you know, or whatever else that's been, uh, turned into an ooze. Um, they're CR2. They have terrible AC like most oozes, decent amount of hit points. They only have one attack. They do not have multi-attack, but they hit like a truck when they do a hit. Um, and their whole thing is that if they're hit with slashing or lightning damage, they split into uh, multiple jellies, which I'm going to introduce that with the first jellies they fight. This is all, I don't know if you can tell very well, this is actually on the map page. So one of them has already burst. Um, in fact, I may actually move the green stuff out or maybe make it a little less pronounced. Okay. Grab that stuff. So it hasn't been uh, completely maybe like that. It basically, just supposed to be like little droplets and stuff. Whereas the other ones are gonna explode with this stuff. Um, anyway, so it's gonna start off these two ochre gel. I'm gonna try to go for a surprise around here. Obviously, I'm gonna tell them 
What's interesting is if the other party makes it in here, they won't know the information that Thimbleweed does if he hasn't made it in here yet. Um, and I can obviously, they've got the spider climb thing, so I could really play around with the fact that they're lurking in, in places. I don't know what kind of stealth these things have. Uh, I mean, they're not stealthy. It's one of those things where it's like, do your players, are, are they actively looking around or not? Because they're not really sneaking up on you. They've got a minus two decks. They can move through spaces as narrow as one inch wide without squeezing. So the cool thing is they can literally come up from the grates or come up from like really tiny places. Uh, Jeremy, yeah, what I'm kind of doing with that is um, when the, the barrels, so once they make it in here and start investigating and I can even trigger a fight with these two jellies, I'm going to, the first thing I'm going to do is have at least one, if not two of these casks explode as a full-grown ochre jelly pops out, which I did roll hit points for them. I kind of rolled bad on most of them. One of them is actually pretty beefy. And when it explodes, it's going to be a DC 14 dexterity save, or you take 1d6 bludgeoning plus 1d6 acid damage, um, half on a save. Uh, if you are within like five feet of this thing exploding, because it's just all the nasty now dangerous mead has exploded so not only does it work as a trap if they get near it but uh it also spawns a new ochre jelly onto the map so i'm gonna turn this one so it's not overlapping i think it's just a generic rule 20 asset i found like exploding barrel Many of your players use the damage types that cause the splits? Um, that's a good question. Yeah, I know Frey does, and she's their primary uh, attacker, I believe. Um, yeah, I guess weirdly enough, obviously Thimbleweed does piercing damage with his arrows. Uh, Edmund and Valrobin both actually use cantrips to fight with. And then I guess Celeste is bludgeoning or, or radiant with her sun blast thing. Yeah, so pretty much just be Frey. But frankly... I mean, even if, so Frey basically attacks, I think it's attacks, right? It's not even kills, it's if they attack, they just receive damage from that source. Yeah, it splits into two jellies if it has at least ten hit points. Which, um, completely makes them worse, because their attack is the same if they split. Their attack is the exact same, and you're essentially giving them multi-attack at that point. Or be drunk, that'd be funny. Say three to four, maybe add some kind of thing in the environment to split one of them, even if the PCs don't. Hmm. I the other thing I could do is spawn them already split. Also, I could spawn uh, some of them full grown and some of them split up, which would uh, probably make them more dangerous. I've got one waiting in the wings. You can see up here. I guess I could have you know again. I can choose to split if the party just starts kicking ass. I can hold back or I can. Um, explode more of them. I was kind of using the map, which is like, they're kind of connected by these tubes. So I'm thinking, okay, maybe the ones that were like connected to the initial one that, that Dugan fell into, um, those are the ones that are going to explode into ochre jellies. Uh, so I guess I don't have a fight for the other party like I do with Thimbleweed, at least initially, but I do think it'd be fun. Maybe let's move this guy to uh, have them go in this back room for the other party just to get them into the dungeon rather than just sitting on their butts. Um, and ha and basically, Olivesa can say, you know, hey, I, I forgot 
you know, there's this rear entrance we use. I had it sealed up. Um, you know, I didn't want anybody in there, but maybe go check that out. Or, or, what could be more interesting is I actually have Shandar be the one that comes. Maybe he has somebody come and get them. Or, what would be even more interesting, I have one of Olavessa's guards come and get them and say, hey, Olavessa wants to talk to you, or somebody wants to talk to you. And they come out, and he's actually working, or working with Shandar. And, uh, you know, and they go down like an alley, and Shandar's like, hey... You know, we, I've got a growing number of us who are really disgruntled with the way this place has been shut down and quarantined. There's a back entrance that I bet she didn't tell you about because she's trying to protect her company's interests. Um, you know, let's get back there and, uh, you know, you guys can basically take some meat. It's like, I bet you already took stuff from them, so let's just help me, you know, we'll share the pot and all that. Basically try and get the, the, the chaotic part of this. <laughs> um in which case, this room 13 will not be a fight with bandits. It would be a, uh alliance with them. Unless the party totally rebuffs him. Um, in which case, probably Shandor will be smart enough not, not to actually fight them because they're pretty strong. Uh, maybe that'd be a thing where if he rebuffs them after this fight, he can have a bunch of, you know, his full crew of, like, bandits and... Uh, probably just bandits, actually. Maybe a few thugs. Uh, maybe he's a thug stat block for him. Turn into, like, this weird little final boss. I don't know. Again, a lot of this depends on what the what the players end up doing, but most likely we will. Uh, I don't know if I'll keep all four of them here or not. What I should do is be ready for their uh, tokens. Just over here. And yes, on the magic mop, I absolutely do want to introduce that because you're right. This is the exact perfect location for that. Um, hopefully Rochelle can make it today. There's been a lot of absences in the last couple. We started off really great uh, attendance in the first, uh, like, dozen sessions of the campaign, and then last five or six, it's been not so great. So I'm going to put them... So we can have them ready to move in here. Oh, I should put Shandar there too, shouldn't I? But yeah, I'm willing to... Uh, I'm open to whatever you guys think would be awesome for a magic mop, and why... First of all, why is there a magic mop in here? And second of all, what kind of stats it would have. I do love making magic items. I think that would be um, a really fun thing for me to do. I need to actually put them all in the... You and you. Guys up here. There we go. So that way I can just use that scene. It's, it's, I like the idea of Shandar being the one to actually show them this back room. I think that's pretty fun. Hey, Michael. Any ideas since it's connected? How do you mean the jellies are attracted to an item a party member or an NPC has? Um, I don't... It would be interesting is if the bees would have some relationship with the honeymead. I'm not sure if they would. Uh, that background noise is my computer fan. That is loud as hell. I moved my computer to avoid overheating issues. Um, and unfortunately, it, yeah, I don't know if I just need to get a better cooling system or what, but my computer fans are loud as shit. I've tried using noise suppression on OBS. I've got it set to, like, max, but apparently that's not good enough, so I apologize for that, and I will hopefully be, as I've been doing the last couple of years of doing videos, uh, slowly upgrading, uh, all my various components, but, uh, if you have any suggestions for quiet fans <laughs> or, uh, otherwise cooling, I will certainly hear them. Perfect place for the mop of cleaning. Plus one. Plus four versus oozes. That's actually really good. 
yeah, so I need to... Obviously, the mop will probably go in room 14, which is the brewery. Maybe I could do a funny thing where it's like... Um, I, I literally thought, like, a, a mop that was in a glass case that was, like, break uh, open if emergency or something silly. Um, and... Uh, you know, have like one of the skeletons be reaching forward or something, and like the glass is maybe partially shattered, and what's inside? Yeah, I, I like the plus against oozes, even though I don't think we actually fight any more oozes for the majority of this campaign. But and I, I, I could add some other abilities to it for sure. Uh, although there's a gelatinous cube in here, I wonder where that is. We could certainly see some more oozes at some point. Um. Yeah, so I like it. Definitely a plus one weapon. Uh, it's a it's a quarter staff as a baseline. It's got uh, I like the damage against oozes. I think having like create or destroy water would be pretty funny. Water cooling is quiet. Yeah, I can look into doing that. Um, I don't know the first thing about doing that. I built this computer ages ago and I've upgraded everything except the motherboard and the fans. So maybe it could cast... Uh, God, that's a third level spell? Which one was I thinking then? Greater Destroy Water. Sorry, that's the one I was thinking of. First level spell, yeah. You know what I was thinking of when I think of Magic Mop? Is that fucking uh, Weird Al Yankovic movie. Which I actually just rewatched not too long ago and does not hold up very well. It's, it's actually pretty stupid. Um, UHF? They have uh, the dude who plays Kramer from Seinfeld. I forget. This was pre-Seinfeld. And he played this really goofy personality character that was like just a very hyper janitor. And uh, he had this thing about this mop. <laughs> and it was like, my mop! That's how I picture this magic mop. The, the mop was not magic in that, in that movie. You can either create or destroy water. Create up to 10 gallons of clean water, then range an open container. Alternatively, the water falls as rain in a 30-foot cube, within range, extinguishing its most flames in the area. I'd have to change that, because that's not what I want to have happen. I want to literally be like a mop that could, like, make a puddle, basically. Or destroy up to 10 gallons of water in an open container within range. So it'd, be a, it'd be a version of Crater Destroy Water. It is, yeah, it's, it's pretty stupid. There's some really good elements to it. Um, they do a lot of those funny, like, joke commercials. It almost feels like an extended SNL skit, the whole movie. Stanley Spadowski, thank you. That's the name of the, uh, the character. So I, I need a version of Crater Destroy Water. What else could a magic mop do? What would be appropriate? Have a bunch of spells in here. And that's the obviously the reward I want to give the players for completing um, this leg of the adventure, but then the next leg will be actually going to the Verbeeg's Lair, which the, the interesting thing is because they're in a town, at any point the players could decide to back off. Not Thimbleweed now because he's kind of in the middle of shit right now, which is going to force the players to at least get to him. Uh, they could just back off and long rest. Like, they're not really under a time constraint, and I, didn't, I haven't come up with anything to do if they do long rest versus not long rest. Um, the only really difference here is that Valravan is completely out of spell slots because he spent them all in that previous Null Cave dungeon, which... That sucks for him. <laughs> Everybody else had... Uh, 
you know, some spell slots and damage they were able to replenish with uh, hit dice. But uh, he spent all of his spell slots, so he's kind of out. So maybe they'll maybe they'll end up stretching it a little bit further. But my point is, if they end up fighting this ochre jelly fight and then saying like, okay, here's the tunnel to continue, if they wanted to say, well, why don't we just back off and long rest? I wouldn't necessarily stop them from doing that. Um, I just haven't thought of like what is the consequence, and it's already been several days, so I don't know if a, even a difference of you know a day would be versus we go now versus we go later. Um, obviously, as a DM, I can try to scale up the encounter a little bit because they've gotten their long rest in, but more than anything, it maybe just I guess even then, when they decide to travel somewhere else, they'll still long rest again. So I don't really have a a problem with that, I guess. And and frankly, balance wise, it's not going to change much other than the fact that well, Robin's going to be able to do more and have more of his spells available. Yes, I like the grease spell. Um, although that kind of steps on what Edmund likes to do, which is cast grease a lot. That's the only bummer. Um, because it could, so the weird thing is, you know, her thing is all about cleaning, right? So she, I don't know if she would want to actually create grease. Um, it could maybe, maybe she could destroy difficult terrain, like purify it. Is there a spell that does that that I can borrow from? Because I want her to basically do the opposite of grease. It's going to be a plus one weapon with just some, you know, extra stuff bolted on. I do like the plus damage against oozes. I think that's pretty fun. Just trying to look through some of the spell options here. Hmm. I think Control Water is a pretty big spell, isn't it? That's yeah, fourth level. I don't want to do anything like that. It could be one of those things where it, you know, unlocks new abilities as you level up too. Because this is obviously going to be a signature item of hers, more, more than likely. Prestidigitation. Isn't that just a cantrip? I mean, I, yeah. Obviously, I can give her. I can give her a cantrip without a problem. Um, which, that I mean, maybe that's enough. Maybe that's enough to make it cool. <laughs> that kind of steps on what uh, Valravin would do with her, is, is to cast that. Would he be like, you're doing great, sweetie. <laughs> a way to charge it by doing a different kind of damage. There's not really water damage, is there? I guess cold. Still an extra 1d4 damage. That's the other thing I can do is just add damage to the staff. Maybe I can do a weird thing where it's like if 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 you can you can charge it with water. Like if you actually use it as a mop, then you empower it to give it, like, an extra 1d4 cold damage or something. Or or poison somebody if you attack with them, because it's like mop water. <laughs> but then you have to be like, well, how... Is there water nearby I can use? That could be interesting. 
Because then it's a, you know, you're cleaning with it, and then that makes your mop stronger. Well, I made it to the G's. Ooh, I don't know about items that give straight up plus stat bonuses. Those are with weapons. That'd be that might be too much, Max. <laughs> it talks like Billy Mays. Sanatory terrain. That's also fourth level illusion spell. Just a simple temporary hit points thing. Maybe you just buff yourself if you absorb water. Shoot it up to 30 feet. She's already got fucking, uh, uh, what is it called? The Radiant Sun Blast or something. So she's actually got range attacks. And the whole point of making, like, custom character magic items, I think, are to kind of build around that character, basically, on whatever they like and whatever they use. What would a cool janitor weapon do? What would a magic mop in this facility do? I mean, doing more damage against oozes, being able to clean really well, so prestidigitation, which is a, is a great idea. Maybe some kind of uh, either healing or buffing thing. Protection from nastiness. I think mending necessarily works. Mold, mold Earth is cantrip, isn't it? Yeah. Excavate dirt. That's interesting. Made a lot of good ideas. I appreciate this, folks. Haste. Haste is pretty powerful. Yeah. Haste is one of the Haste is one of the most game-breakingly powerful spells in 5e. I would be very careful about using haste. Surprised my characters have only used it really in one campaign. I have used the shit out of haste in my Solasta game. That was like the thing I did. It was like just alright. I'm going to have this character just cast haste on this other character and let her absolutely destroy everything with haste. Haste is nuts. Especially if the back character protects themselves where they can't be, you know, can't lose concentration of it, then just, God, it's so freaking powerful. Now, on the flip side, it's the action economy with concentration. You know, you're, if you're casting haste, you're not, you know, casting any of their crowd control spells or anything, because it is concentration. Move Earth. Is oh sixth level. Never mind. Moving enemies is pretty powerful. I agree. Cooler Master Hyper Two Twelve Evo Led Ellie. That's a lot of words. I don't know. Barely be heard. I don't have any cooling issues with it. That's what you need to cool. Uh, okay. I don't know what that is, Michael, but I need to look that up because I think the problem is when I built this computer, I used the same tower and the same. I think I used the same fans. And then just put in everything. And like since then, I've upgraded 
fucking you know video card like three times over and the CPU and I put in more RAM. I've just been putting and I put in a new power supply at some point. And uh, in fact, right now is it running at? So it's the nice thing is it's cooler now. It's only running at like 140 degrees Fahrenheit. Um, but like when I'm playing a, a game and streaming, like I get up to like 170, which is pretty nuts. But yeah, it's clearly too loud. If you guys can hear it, and I apologize for that, then it's clearly way too loud. I don't, yeah, that background, it's, it annoys me because I hear it all the time, and obviously it's not great for you all, so I will look into doing that. Spiritual mob. That would be, spiritual weapon is like another really crazy powerful spell in D&D because it doesn't require concentration, and you can just move it around in your bonus action. It's an incredibly great spell. Which means it might be too much for here, but that would be pretty funny to have a mop that you can just, like, fling and be able to roll around. But maybe that could be cool. You, like, throw your... Maybe there's some way I can do that where it's like, all right, you're throwing your mop out, but you're not... It, it's your weapon. It's not like a spiritual weapon you're conjuring. You are literally tossing this mop out into the air in order to... Uh, God, now it reminds me of, what is that, Fantasia that does that with the... You know, with the the Mickey Mouse, the wizard... And the fucking uh, sentient mops <laughs> that bring the buckets of water. <laughs> I'm actually kind of liking this idea now. Uh, what's that spiritual weapon is what it's called. Sickening radiance. I need the opposite of sickening radiance. Let's see. Spiritual weapon. Second level spell. Bonus action. You create a floating spectral within the range that lasts for the duration until you cast the spell again. I mean, a melee spell attack is a creature within five feet of the weapon. On a hit, the target takes force damage equal to 1d8 plus your spellcasting ability modifier. So, so what I could do is say it's a version of spiritual weapon, but you're not creating a floating spectral weapon. You are literally tossing this mop into the air uh, as a bonus action, and as part of that bonus action, you can then make an attack. The problem is this whole thing is a way to give you range attacks, and she's already got range attacks, though. Like, she specifically kind of took her build to give her range attacks, so I guess it could still be helpful because your mop is probably stronger than your Radiant Sunblasts. Um, and you'd be, like, controlling the mop as a bonus action... And it would be a bonus action, actually. You're basically attacking with your bonus action, um, which means I guess you could still attack regularly with your regular action, although as a monk, her bonus actions are being used up. That's a really interesting to balance. I'd have to really think about that. Um, but that's kind of a cool factor you could do that. You could really do this with any weapon, is just turn it into kind of a spiritual weapon thing. I probably wouldn't do force damage. It would still be the, the bludgeoning damage. Um, and it wouldn't be strength anymore, would it? It would be... Maybe it wouldn't be any modifier, because it's just going on its own. It'd be a little less. But it can move up to 20 feet and still attack creatures. But again, the whole reason you do that is to gain a ranged attack, and I don't think she really needs ranged attacks. Oxyclean. Um, but, you know, it doesn't mean... Just because she has that option doesn't mean she has to use it all the time. It's just kind of a cool thing that it could do. Uh, I do want to make this a cool weapon, though. Kind of similar to what I did with the axe that uh, Frey got. And Frey can actually upgrade her axe on down the road, so maybe I can do the same thing with this uh, mop. 
Um, so I like, you know, giving it a plus one, having it be plus against oozes, um, having it have probably prestidigitation. That is a fucking hard word to say. Um, and some form of create or destroy water. Although I still kind of like the idea of, like, if you destroy water, then maybe this happens. Like, you gain a buff, or you gain temporary hit points, or the, the mop does more damage. Like, some kind of cool thing where it's like, if you actually do clean water with it, it becomes better, or buffs you in some way. Because then that just kind of adds to the fun, like, oh, is there water nearby that I can, you know, mop up or something? Uh, and, and, you know, maybe it lasts, that charge can last for... Uh, I don't know how that would work then. Does it last for... An hour does it last for the day? I'd have to balance all that, but that's the exciting thing. I really like uh, making magic weapons. I don't really like making creatures that much. I tend to just use creatures because I think D and D, especially now, has plenty of creatures to use. Um, and uh, you know, you can always just modify existing creatures a little bit. But I do love making magic items because those are very rewarding. All right, well, it's been an hour, and uh, we still haven't even talked about the Verbi Glare, so um, we'll have to save that for next time. I don't think we're gonna get there, depending on again what the players' actions do, but. I think we figured out a way to get the players into this back area, the rest of the party. Um, you know, we'll have that event with Thimbleweed and the, and the Wasps attacking uh, Morin, the survivor. You know, I'll have to make a choice there. They'll get some information from the employees' back room. And hopefully they will all meet up together in the brewery and we can do the ochre jelly fight. And then they'll decide from there if they want to just back off and rest or uh, if they want to move on and make it to the tunnel leading to the Verbig Lair, which will really be dungeon part two, basically. And yes, I promise I will look into some fan stuff uh, this weekend, I promise. So you'll have to suffer through it probably for tomorrow night. But I will definitely look into fixing that because it bugs the shit out of me as well. <laughs> uh, Alright, I think that will do it for this week's Crafting Icewind Dale. If you enjoy the content, please check out patreon.com slash Rogue Watson. Shouts to Platinum Patrons, Joe Will, Tiny Dancer, Wizard, Princess, Christopher Thomas, Captain Mike, Adam, Aiden, Stan, Nathan, Alex, Chad, Alexander, Dan, Cam, the Quizats, Hatterack, Gold Patrons, RPG Papercrafts, Pretty Boy, and Yuma, Dead Lizard, Lounge, Sam, Ross, Lumpy Spuds, Drome, Sclenia, Nick, Farty Mick, Butterplants, Blood, Angel, Veronis, Baboon, Baboon, Nathan, Fasica, Tortoise, and James. Thank you all for your support, and I will see you all for D&D tomorrow night. Mm-hmm.